All right, folks, welcome to a very special bonus episode of Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jackson McDonald. And uh, joining me today, it is not our 100th episode extravaganza. Uh, that is not happening yet. Vias uh, totally ditched us to study for the bar. And um, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll introduce our guest. Uh, joining me today is Cody Sievertson, longtime friend of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Abbotsford Canucks. But uh, first, if you'll allow me, Cody, let's just shit on Vias for a second. First of all, how's it going? Uh, I'm so relieved that Vias isn't here. So (laughs) (laughs) this is just wonderful. It's a wonderful show. I mean, that wasn't uh, that wasn't the direction I was going to go in, but fair enough. Um, No, uh, the only thing I was going to say is we've had this like special thing planned for Cody can attest to this because he has helped us with it. Like, yes, literally a year, <laughs> like literally since we started to get around like 80 episodes, I was like, okay, I have this idea for what we should do for the hundredth episode. And I have literally tried since like July or August to get the necessary people together to do it. And it has not happened. It's like, <laughs> there's, there's this, for whatever, like, whether it's just like, oh, I'm too tired or like, oh, I can't or like, like the prospect of doing even like 15 extra minutes a week is <laughs> absolutely not OK yeah. with these just, guys. Just a small bit at the end of a recording, even though like before recording or starting an episode, you'll still shoot the shit for 20 minutes anyway. Oh, yeah. So absolutely. it doesn't make a difference if you're just like, oh, by the way, we're going to do something for the 100th episode. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh I'm yeah. actually gotta, I got to study for the bar. Yeah, actually. exactly. And I know I've mentioned this on the show uh, already, like probably at least five times. But uh, the bar is fake. Uh, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio in fucking uh, Catch Me If You Can studied for two weeks and passed. If you're not smart enough to, to do that, like go do something easier, like pretend to be an airline pilot. Well, that's the uh, thing, right? Like if you're if you're trying to be a lawyer, like if you're not smart enough to lie about passing the bar and get away with it, are you even good enough to be are a you lawyer? even a good lawyer? Yeah, yeah. I think so, that's entirely fair. Yeah, I know he already ditched the uh, the Canucks Army broadcast meetup for the for studying oh. for the bar. He's ditched uh, the show on a couple occasions. He's uh, yeah. he's asked us to schedule recording times around him and still shown up late. So yeah, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the classic uh Vias move. Yeah. That's peak Vias. That was if great. He, if he had shown up like with like a bag of croutons too and just like ruined the whole recording, that would oh, be yeah. just like uh chef's kiss. Especially because uh for those of you that aren't aren't aware and don't subscribe to the Patreon, uh Cody was with us, I think, the last time we recorded, actually, <laughs> which was to do the um our very special return to the Patreon, a uh watch along track to the movie happy gilmore which was a ton of fun and i think turned out really well but um yeah if vias had shown up with his giant bag of croutons and like crunched <laughs> through the whole thing it would have really sucked because i can't edit that episode like it yeah. just it just you is gotta as, let it play as it is because it's a it syncs up with the movie so um <laughs> anyways uh enough with uh enough with the preamble uh bullshit uh obviously the uh you're here to talk about the abby canucks who have qualified for the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but it would be remiss of me after such a long period where we haven't recorded not to just bring up how insane it is that the Vancouver Canucks are technically still in the playoff race. I I, I don't know. Like how, 
how far are we stretching it to say that they're in it's still in the race in your opinion i i admire people who want to believe like i'm not gonna fault them for it like i mean times are miserable these days like if you if you want to think that they can make up six points and then supersede Nashville, Dallas, and Vegas, or Los Angeles, like four different teams on the way to doing it. Like, if you believe that, hey, all the power to you. But like, I'm full cynic mode where I'm like, they could go undefeated. It doesn't matter because these teams just need to go at their current paces, which are are the paces of good quality NHL teams. And they're going to be fine and make it in regardless. Like, Canucks could hit 90 points and it won't matter. They could hit 94. It won't matter because the other teams in the division are playing fine or in the Western conference, sorry, are going to just keep on doing what they're doing. Like it was kind of funny listening to um, Thomas Trance over like the past couple of weeks. Cause he's constantly doing like the reverse jinx where he's yes. talking about like, you know, Oh, Dallas, that's the team for me. That's going to fall out. And they're just like, he's like, they're a one line team and they're just constantly winning. Like they don't ever lose like uh, that. That shit cracks me up so much. And he's done it so many times this season too. Like every time he's talked about uh, Carol uh, Vegmelka, Arizona's goaltender, he's always like, you know, they're a sneaky team. Any team could get Vegmelka. And you know, the Canucks, I wouldn't be shocked if they did and just get blown out. Just every single absolutely. Time. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame people. I can't blame people for it that much because now, like I just have the standings pulled up here right now. And like the Canucks no longer have every team have game and games in hand on them anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look at it, they now have games in hand games in hand on everyone ahead of them. Yeah. And it's like, I can totally see why a, uh, like a casual fan or like a dumb guy fan or whatever would look at this and be like, Canucks have two games in hand on the LA Kings and are six points back, mm-hmm. you know, like, I I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. But I think they can keep it interesting for another week. Yeah, like, that, like, like that's the impressive thing is like after the start, everyone was just kind of like, oh, no, this is going to be just like the most painful season. They're not going to fire the coach. They're not going to make any sweeping changes that they so desperately need. It's just going to be miserable until April. And cr- like kudos to them. They dug down and actually were like, hey, let's not be an embarrassment. Let's actually like kind of band together our our coach didn't really deserve to take the heat for how poorly we're playing sure we weren't bought in but like it's not really their fault that they got canned like we just played like shit yeah and so like kudos to them for being this deep into april and they're still in it somehow like like you look at the points it's like they have 84 with 75 games played and the second wild card team has 91 with 76 games played so like yeah just by that alone you read that and you're like oh they're doomed but they're like they're on a heater they won five straight and their schedule isn't slightly as hard as like say dallas's or los angeles so you're like there's a chance they really got screwed by dallas like winning the last few games because it really was good (laughs) yeah it really looked possible for a minute there that like they could they could pass one of these teams but now you look at the teams that are in front of them and it's like unless they can catch LA they're pretty much screwed cuz they're not taking a wild card spot because that is the thing like the math they, is just too daunting yeah like the the easiest math right now is to catch LA and hope they like play at their 500 pace that they're currently on but yeah. to do that you still need to pass Vegas who has 3 points ahead of you and a tiebreaker 
and a tiebreaker and that is won, unlikely like, seven to of the last too, 10. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly like we we know the canucks are like really bad at getting regulation wins that's why yeah. like it's it makes that final what is it six games or seven games they have like that more daunting like you got to yeah. win it's not that you have to win seven of your last seven straight you need to do it all in regulation just to have a chance with the tiebreaker because the teams above you yeah. are crushing it at killing it in regulation like I think Dallas only has five OT losses or something like that. Canucks yeah. have 10. Like, yeah, totally. These teams know how to close games out, and the Canucks just don't, and that's killing I think them right now. Drance has been saying they're like destined to get 90 points. I'm way more positive slash more cynical in a way. Um, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win all their games except for the back to backs and miss the playoffs by like three or four points. That would be like peak Vancouver Canucks is yeah. like with like because Horvat's out too, right? Like their yeah. leading goal scorer. Although like, ostensibly Besser is supposed to be back, which uh, yeah. I mean that's not a that's not a lateral move, but like you yeah. can kind of if you squint hard enough, you could see how like you replace the value at least. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like it's value in, value out. So it really like you kind of make you split the difference a bit. Yeah, totally. But you look at it and you're just like knowing them, they'll probably keep winning and then like you said those back-to-backs they'll lose and it'll be like the final game of the season when they lose to los angeles who's already dropped out for vegas they'll lose that game and it'll crush their season like final day set their 16th in the league it's just like that's the cynic and the miserable side of me to just fully expecting it because get that get be have the absolute highest score on the uh, misery quotient or whatever micah mccurdy calls it yeah, exactly. Um, like it just seems it just seems destined for it. Like they the rally was came too late and no matter how much the owner tweets about how proud he is of the team, <laughs> he was a little late to, on uh making some executive decisions. Yeah, uh no kidding. So anyways, that's enough time on the big club. You are our uh resident uh AHL expert and or at least AHL Canucks expert. There we go. And um we were actually going to have you on to talk about the Abbotsford Canucks quite a while ago, uh, but it happened to coincide with basically the exact time that Jim Benning got fired. <laughs> so uh, that absolutely did not even come close to happening. But I think it's kind of um, good news, really, in the long run, because the Abbotsford Canucks are doing much better now than they were around the time that Jim Benning was fired. But I think... Uh, for the sake of our listeners who probably do not know a lot about minor league hockey, I think we should just start at the very beginning. I'll play ball here. What is the AHL? <laughs> the American Hockey League. This is where you plug in. Uh, this is where Just- uh, Justin plugs in like Siri. The American yeah. Hockey League is the second tier of North American hockey in sports with yes. affiliates of the NHL. Uh, yeah. So for those that don't know, it's like. It's like the second best league in North America. I'm using yes. air quotes because like quality is like few, like there's a big gap. Mm-hmm. The NHL, yeah. it's very sandwiched. Like the the best te- best players are are surprisingly not that far off from the worst players as much as it's hard to believe. Yeah. Whereas in the AHL, the gap between the best players and the worst players is fucking Gigantic. huge. It's massive. Yeah. And that's why you get players like Sheldon Dries putting up 62 points in whatever 50 games 
and looking like a hero or Reed Boucher or uh, I should yeah. probably shouldn't bring him. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Cut that out. Cut that. Cut that. How cut about that. Sheldon uh, Rempel? There we go. Sheldon Rempel. Another Sheldon's. Yeah. Another Sheldon guy who's just like been like, okay. At the AHL level. Then one year, suddenly he's like an above like a one, one and a half points per game yeah. player out of absolutely nowhere. Like that's just what the league does. Like you reach a certain age and you figure it out and you become like this elite scorer. But even then it's not good enough to be in the NHL. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. They just think like, Oh, you put up a lot of points like Nick Patan, you put up 44 points. How come you're not an NHL star? That doesn't I mean, make sense. In fairness, most of those guys are good enough to like, you plug them in on your fourth line and you absolutely will not notice a difference. Uh, yeah. They're over, bodies. over like one or two games, maybe yeah. over a full season, you notice a difference, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I think, I mean, uh, Sheldon drives is a perfect example because it's like, you know, he, uh, he's up with the big club this week, scores a goal, looks pretty good. You yeah. know, gets and, a Canucks army article written about him. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's sort of how it tends to go with, uh, with the minor leagues is, it's like the the line between the best players in the AHL versus the worst players in the NHL is razor thin. Mm-hmm. Um, something I would also argue is true uh, with a lot of the best leagues in Europe as well. It's that bottom end that yeah. is totally not even close. And, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, like the bottom end of a, an AHL roster wouldn't even be good enough to play in a lot of European leagues. Um, yeah, just because of how like geography plays into it pretty extensively, because like if you're a mediocre Swedish pro, you're going to play in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And if you're a mediocre American pro, you're going to play in America. Yeah, so like, like people tend to you know gravitate towards like what's near home or whatever. But um, anyways, that's enough <laughs> time <laughs> on explaining what yeah. the minor leagues are. All right, um, now this is the ECHL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to get into that, but uh, yeah. Um, I guess where I'll start is with what I alluded to earlier, which is that the Abbotsford Canucks uh, were looking pretty bad a few mm-hmm. months ago, and much like their uh, parent club have kind of uh, switched the script around in a, in a more significant way because they've now qualified for the playoffs. So um, if you could just give maybe like a, a brief overview of what their season has looked like uh, for the, for the folks at home. Yeah. Their, their season was very interesting because I remember, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, Cody, it's so great. Abbotsford's like local. We're going to have you on shows all the time to talk about the team. And then they (laughs) sucked. Yeah, so bad to start the year. And that was when their team was like loaded. No one was called up yet. Yeah, everyone was super healthy. The NHL club was, I mean, like relatively healthy because I think a lot of people expected like Brad Hunt and Kyle Burroughs to be like the first pair in Abbotsford. They weren't expected to be your five, six in the NHL, but like a bunch of injuries and and of course the Travis Hamnick situation, like just kind of screwed everything Brady Keeper too. Brady keeper like, too. Like that people was forget about him, but like he was kind of earmarked to be like the dark horse guy to maybe make the team. And then if not be like the number one D in Abbotsford. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people were like either Jack Rathbone makes the NHL or he's going to be top pair with Brady keeper if he doesn't make it too. And yeah, like totally. no one was expecting, you know, 
Kyle Burrows and Brad Hunt to be logging like 15 minutes a night, like yeah. every like night in, night out. That wasn't expected. So it kind of threw them through a loop, but their forward group was still like one of like on paper, one of the best in the league. Definitely. And they were terrible. It took them like like a month and or two months to get three regulation wins, which like doesn't sound like much, but when you play like 15 games or whatever, like that adds up and it looked like, oh no both the NHL club and the AHL club are complete garbage. <laughs> like this is a bad look on a GM who just made a giant hail Mary shortcut move to try yeah. and make the playoffs in one league. And the cupboards that he's been trying to rebuild and restock for years, they're apparently not even good enough despite being loaded with quad a players. And so it was yeah. like really dicey. And so of course the phone calls uh, for old Cody uh, got turned <laughs> off. No, one really dried up, yeah. <laughs> really, really dried up and uh, put me through uh, the ringer, but something really interesting happened when Jim Benning was fired. And I actually think they changed play style when Boudreaux and Rutherford came on board Interesting, because before they were very much like a, like they had been the last few years, very like, uh, selective with their shots they were just Meat kind of wagon. like we're yeah like we're just looking for yeah. the perfect shot try to cash in on rebounds and we're gonna yeah. we're attack off the rush or whatever but we're not gonna throw volume and then yeah, totally. boudreaux took over and it was like everything like the, the the flip the switch got flipped all of a sudden it was just like we're gonna throw everything in the kitchen sink at the net and cash in on rebounds we don't need to look for the perfect spot we just need to throw everything at the net and so through their first like I think the 15 games they played under the, like the Trent call Travis green era, they were getting like destroyed at evens wow. like at, like they had been, you know, their entire tenure with Trent call, like his teams usually get crushed at evens at off the sure. seat. And then uh Boudreaux, Boudreaux took over and it's like, they've been just dominating at five V five since, but it is like, still call. It is still call, but the I AHL think team, right but there's been like a noticeable shift in just the way they attack where Interesting. like, like it's one of the few times, like, cause I don't, I try to not really talk about um, like play styles or like systems or whatever, because like they're so like similar between all the teams that it's dumb to be like, Oh, sure. Trent call yeah. has altered his system too much, but it's just like the way players have now been attacking since the coaching change and the GM change. Like I almost feel like, there like some, like some, some kind, kind of mandate of, came down yeah. that was like, you know what? We have all this talent. We can't afford to be picking and choosing our shots. Just throw stuff on the net. You have enough talent like to make it happen. And sure enough, it has. And I, I almost want to say like, because they have moved the team closer to Abbotsford, I think a lot of pressure has been taken off of Ryan Johnson to ice a better right. team. Yeah. Because like obviously with all the injuries, like all these call-ups, like Will Lockwood's up. Uh, I think who else? Nick Batan's been up for a long time. Sheldon yeah. Dries, as we already said. Yeah. And then we had injuries to, uh, or we saw injuries to Phil Giuseppe to, oh God, who was it? Uh, I think Sheldon Rempal was injured. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, Justin Dowling was injured for like a month and a half. Like Definitely. basically, yeah. basically all the stars, like the quad A players you'd expect yeah. to be carrying the franchise were gone. And in typical seasons for the Utica Comets, when that happened, the season was toast. They would yeah. call up just the worst players from the ECHL, like like just complete garbage players. And they were only called up because they were like within a short drive away. Like it wasn't like they were getting the best. It was just who was there. 
And so now some of the guys that Ryan Johnson's called up from the ECHL or from like picking up on waivers that uh, other AHL teams have ditched have come in and produced really effectively. They've also signed two guys from the NCAA in Brandon McManus and Mark Gatcomb, and both have provided pretty quality minutes. I think Brandon McManus has had two goals in his first two games. Oh, uh, uh, this guy, Matt Alfaro, who was just like a, a throwaway from the Manitoba Moose has six points in eight games. Shit. Like, like there's like a, there's a reason to believe that because Ryan Johnson can turn his head more to talent identification and getting guys that can actually produce for the AHL team, that the team is actually better for it because they haven't been relying on stars and they've won something like 12 or 13 or 14 out of their last 15. Like Shit. they're on a heater and they're getting points even when they lose. Like they're, they have two OT losses out of their last four. Like they're a good team despite the fact that they've had no one available for the better part of the last three months, like there was a huge shift in the way that the team played and just the way that they were able to acquire talent that we haven't ever seen this Canucks organization do since probably even before Travis green was an NHL coach. Like we're talking back when Pat Conacher was still running the uh, Utica Comets and actually creating like a Calder finalist out of what he could get. So that's a long time for to field a competitive AHL team, especially one that's been a bottom feeder like the Canucks have. So, well, the the bad news, I guess, of this situation <laughs> is that it's probably saved Trent Cole's job, um, <laughs> which like I know I I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's one person I could put on blast, but I'm not going to. But like, yeah, I feel like by this point. It's like if you live in Vancouver or you're a Canucks fan and you know who Trent Call is, you probably don't like him. Um, yeah, I would say like he is now with Jim Benning and John Weisbrod and et cetera gone. Probably the elite, like the lowest approval rating of anyone in the Canucks organization. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what like what what's what the fuck is Trent Cole's deal? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I, a part of me like knows some stuff through Lachlan Irvin and his reporting with sure. uh, the fear, of the Finn when Jonathan Dahl was traded. So I have this like note in my mind, like, you know, some of the things that he's done in his past with the team and certain players is really not great. But a part of me is also has this asterisk in my head. Like, Jim Benning has like actively given the guy absolutely nothing to work with in terms of prospects. Yeah. True. And by stuffing the team in Utica, they've had no reason to ever perform well. Give a single no shit ever about cared. their AHL team. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the, what was it, the one year, the first year that I started covering the team and it was like, Oh, Benning's going to finally visit. They're going to send him and some scouts to go evaluate or audit the team. And it's the first time they visited all season. And I got like vibes of when Tortorella left and everyone was like, oh yeah, he never even talked to the AHL coach. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a guy who's like four years or three years deep or I guess 2018, 19. Yeah. He's like four years deep, five years into his tenure. Yeah. And he hasn't like visited the farm team. 
like that's what you should be relying on at this point. You have Gadjevich, Lynn, Dolan, Yashik, like all these kids that are like trying to. <laughs> what a Mount know, Rushmore. Yeah, what a Mount Rushmore of talent. Yeah. I can't believe none of them turned into anything for this team. But like it, like if you're a player and you're busting your ass, like Lucas Yashik said, like he did everything. I think in his, when he left the team, he was like, I did everything this team wanted me to do. And they didn't give me a call up in that final year. They called yeah. up Will Lockwood and other people. And it's like, yeah, like if you're a player, you're like that must have been pretty goddamn frustrating. How do you not like, be salty about that? Yeah, like, like what is what is my incentive to want to perform well for this team when my coach has no incentive to make a statement for the organization because no one gives a shit. No one's paying attention to it. It's just like like a forgotten thing, like a, like an obligation to have an AHL franchise but not like use it. Which really, like, I don't want to, we could go down a huge rabbit hole with this if we wanted to, but like, that has been an issue for the Canucks for like quite a while mm-hmm. from, from my memory. Because like, I, do you remember the year they shared an AHL team with like St. Louis? Yeah, that was, something? Um, I want to say that was like. 2012 or something yeah it was like it was like the peoria riverman that's like right before they bought the franchise and moved it to utica or something yeah, it was like yeah. uh editor's note <laughs> i get to be uh justin today uh the franchise we were thinking of was the chicago wolves and uh while i could have sworn they shared this ahl affiliate with the st louis blues i can't seem to find any evidence to support that claim uh the Blues did go on to be affiliated with the Chicago Wolves, but I can't find any evidence that they actually ever shared an AHL affiliate, save for uh, during the COVID uh, bubble season in 2020-2021. The Canucks did, however, buy the Peoria Riverman franchise from St. Louis and relocate it to Utica to become the Comets. They didn't even care. They were just like, obviously they had nothing in the prospect pool either. They mm-hmm. had like a bunch of fourth and fifth round picks and Alex Grenier. <laughs> so yeah, they were like, of course. they're really stretching it thin, but they still threw a ton of their like late round draft picks into the AHL and just tried to see what they could get out of it. And of course they got nothing out of it, but well, like, they, they had Anton Rodin. Yes. Which is like did. not nobody, you know, it's easy to Could say now something. like, oh, ha ha ha, at Anton Rodin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like when you look at his like what happened with him, I, I think you can reasonably say like there are there are failures of selection, like failures of uh, of scouting. Mm-hmm. Then there are failures of development. Um, and there are also I think just there's also just bad luck, obviously, mm-hmm. that that always plays a role. But like, I I think you can reasonably say, looking at Anton Rodin, like looking at everything that happened to him and the fact that he was still able to build himself into a player who won the Swedish MVP um, and then just like did not even get a chance here after that, which was really frustrating. I think you can you can say from from the time he was drafted to even the time that they brought him back and he was like 26. Mm-hmm. is a failure of development more than anything else. Like, yeah, because when yeah. they brought him back, it was just kind of like, oh, he's doing well. I mean, let's give it a shot. If he wants to come back, it might work, but we have no plan for him. Yeah, exactly. we're just going to bring him back. And if he doesn't light up the AHL, then oh, well. And then it yeah. was like they had nothing thought out beyond that, Yeah, which is 
like insane and like to your point like this this isn't like a a jim benning thing where it's like oh it's all his fault that the ahl team for the canucks has been bad it's like no no it goes back way longer than that basically since the since the 2010 2011 series yeah <laughs> like they have had nothing going right in i mean the certainly HL since the certainly since the franchise or certainly since the affiliate stopped being the moose pretty much yeah. because it seemed like they gave a bit of a shit when the moose were were their ahl affiliate but after that like i don't know what happened i obviously like i said we could spend a whole other podcast mm-hmm. on that but um to return to more to the um the specifics of the Abbotsford Canucks uh, and how they're doing this season. I think the other impressive thing about their performance this season is that based on what I've gleamed from talking to you, this uh, win streak has not been uh, like it, it's, it hasn't been goaltending driven. That's the word I was looking for um, because from what I understand, the uh, the Abbotsford Canucks goaltending situation is not like, the best um it, it, yeah it's a little uh it's a little janky yeah i because i said like if anyone, if anyone who's listening to this follows me they'll know that i've pretty much taken like a hiatus on like my usual like shot tracking stuff just because like i've been busy with like the dog and just like don't have the time really to invest that yeah, you much. got a new puppy yeah i gotta i gotta be a dog dad now so yeah. i haven't really didn't dove down into the the analytics of the goaltending stuff but totally it's very interesting. I, like a, a lot of my complaints of the season were, you know, you just, the season is just about getting DiPietro and Seelov's playing time because they didn't play at all la- next or last year. Mm-hmm. And then they come in, they both start the year together as a tandem. Spencer Martin barely plays and they are both really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like DiPietro, especially just look like complete shit. And so Spencer Martin steals the starters crease. He earns himself all kinds An of NHL accolades fucking contract. NHL contract after <laughs> yeah like oh man we could spend an entire episode on how i think that's like it's not like a signing that's gonna sink them at all no, but like of course not. it's yeah. it's just like a it seems like a rash decision based on like a bunch of really fortunate bounces like congrats yeah. to him for landing a two like a one-way deal after years of toiling in the minors shades of but, andrew hammond yeah it's it's very much like Oh well, he he's made that one fifty save game or forty save game against Florida. That was really good. Let's sign him to a deal. Like it felt like a Jim Benning move. It did, yeah. And, and like it, at the end of the day, it's like a variable contract. It won't matter. Oh, but a part of me is just like, like I, I cannot believe so many people are just convinced because of that sample size that, that this that guy is going to be an NHL goal, be an NHL backup or whatever. Like, um, the other the other <laughs> thing that uh you have to wonder is like that doesn't say much for how they feel about mike di pietro eh? no like if you're if you're di pietro and you see this guy who stole your starters crease get a two-year extension on a one-year deal or a one-way contract you're probably like well what the fuck have i been doing here yeah i wasted a year of my prime a year of my elc where i played nine games yeah and sat on a taxi squad like I'm sure he's smart enough. He's a smart enough kid to be like, look, that was the old regime where they screwed me over. Totally. Like, like I can't fault them, but you know, who was the goalie coach for that entire time and is the goalie coach for the next five years. It's yeah. Ian Clark. Yeah. And he could have told them to send me somewhere else. He could, they could have sent me to Sweden. They could have sent me anywhere else, but they didn't do anything with me. So I wasted a year. I don't think I 
get the sense that first of all, I don't buy Mike DiPietro. I I don't know that I ever really have. Um, not since he's turned pro, anyways. Um, and I I just don't think they buy him either. And I, yeah. I just think they kind of have kept him around as as organizational depth. And I I also. Well, okay. Yeah, I, you can respond to that. And then I have another thing I want to say about Archer Silovs, but sure. Um, I, yeah. I have a theory that the, like, he was a 2017 draft. Like, he's totally like a, a Judd Brackett type of player, right? Just like raw talent, yeah. raw athleticism. He'll, he'll make it. Don't, don't worry about it. Like, we don't need to like hone, refine his skills or whatever. He'll just figure it out himself. Yeah. And that was his first year in Utica where he put up like a 908 save percentage as a rookie. Like, he was not bad. He was legitimately the reason they won 21 games that year. Like, yeah. he was a star in that first year, completely wasted that taxi squad season. I'm actually looking at it now. He only played four games yeah. during that COVID season. Like, that's just terrible yeah. goalie development. So, I have a feeling that Ian Clark was the type to be like, yeah, he's got raw athleticism, but he's not playing the system I want. And yeah. we've already seen it with Braden Holpe. We've seen it with Yarrow Halak. When people don't buy into Clark's system or they are not sold on it and don't you know, do what he wants, they kind of get the shaft. When they don't look at the puck. When they don't stare at the puck and they don't have that vertic- that ocular tracking per 60. Yeah, uh, when, they don't get the use, shaft. when they don't use the three stances. This is <laughs> up, us just... Up, up, I, down. I, I love when we fucking just reference shit that like we argue about in our fucking group chat yeah. it must be great for the listeners but uh, the listeners are nodding along kind of smiling and they're like what the fuck what the fuck are they, fuck talking, are they about? talking about <laughs> i think we've we yeah uh the origin of this for for those of you that are wondering is uh i guess uh self-styled goalie guru uh david quadrelli just <laughs> likes to um i guess honestly he likes to rile up the chat with goaltender talk is, and, the, uh, is the big one. But let's just be honest. Like he just <laughs> loves to drop an insane take, like on an average of about like once every week and a half. Yeah. Uh, that and just then makes, he walks away every time. And it's yeah. the funniest thing. Um, but uh, he he uh, he's the guy. For those of you that ever uh, listened to my other podcast, there's a hilarious uh, Garrett Hole tweet where he's like the five types of stat guys. And it's like, you know, like hard quant. I test the numbers, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And then the last one is just, um, I talked to, to one NHL guy and now think that everything he says is the exception. <laughs> um, and that's uh, quads <laughs> with Ian Clark. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, uh, anyway, I'll, yeah, I'll, that- I'll stop making fun of David Quadrelli, but on uh, on the subject of goaltending, I wanted to uh, test this theory out on you or this like prediction. Like, what do you think the chances are that um, through either just embarrassingly poor play by someone not named Thatcher Demko and injury that we see Arthur Silovs play like two uh Spencer Martin style games in the <laughs> NHL next year. And we have, and we, and by 2022, 23, we have people spent uh, penciling him in as the backup behind Thatcher. Demko. Like what are the chances of that? Would you say? I think that's probably pretty high. I, I can completely <laughs> see that happen. Like if, if DK, so like remember oh, yeah. how the season started in DiPietro, like, oh, he was so amazing at camp, like all the yeah. all the media, like J Pat, and we're all like, Oh, he looks good. You know, Halak isn't, you know, 
looking that hot. He looks like a veteran. No, he's not going to try that hard. And yeah. everyone's like, well, D. Pietro's coming for him. And then the season sucked. Like that could happen wasn't, again. Where, I, I know I said we were going to stop making fun of quads, but wasn't that a quads prediction at the beginning of the season? He was like, oh, Mikey D. Pietro is going to steal Halak's job after like 10 games or something. Yeah, he did. And that to be out? fair, like <laughs> that would have worked out had Di Pietro's season unfolded in any other way than the way it did. Yeah, fair because enough. like I don't think anyone expected him to look as bad as he yeah. did because it wasn't just like his saves or like he like forgot how to play goalie. Is like like the goals he allowed were just the softest things and were so uncharacteristic of how he had played in seasons prior. Interesting. Was, so I really think it was probably like. Like, I think, I think it's like a, I can't remember who it was. It's was a Vancouver media guy who pointed out that uh, Di Pietro had three mental health coaches or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this. It was like someone being like, man, kid, you're like way too in your head. If you have three different coaches to just help you Ugh. tackle the mental side of the game yeah, and like not to criticize like what it is, but like, obviously, like if you have a season where you're expected to fight for an NHL backup position and it goes off the rails immediately. And you're letting in softies like left, right and center for a kid that needs three coaches to like get his mental game and focus. Like I understand why maybe it just didn't recover. Yeah. But my, (laughs) to your, uh, your preseason prediction, I actually, (laughs) I actually have a prediction that what's going to happen is Mm. the team isn't going to be sold that Seelovs and Di Pietro can be an AHL tandem, especially okay, depending yeah. on how they go uh, with the Calder fl- playoffs. Cause yeah. Spencer Martin is going to be an NHL backup. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I could very much see them try to sign like an Andrew Hammond or sure. like one of those like 38 year old yeah. guys to be a third stringer. And again, Di Pietro loses the starter spot. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah. It would be so funny. And so they very Vancouver Canuck as if there's just like it repeats again, but it's just like some older, even like crappier That's so career funny. AHL yeah. goaltender who steals his spot. Is Chad Johnson still active? <laughs> Someone like oh, that. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. He's probably in the okay, East AHL or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, to continue on with uh, topics we could spend an entire episode on, <laughs> obviously there is not a ton of... Uh, talent in the way of prospects at the AHL level for the Canucks. And there never really has been. Uh, mm. I'm sure we already had the conversation about uh, that Ryan Johnson appearance on the VanCast where yeah. they asked him about developing players and he cited <laughs> Jonah Gadjevich and Zach McEwen as uh, guys that they had developed two players who uh, a suck and B don't play for the Canucks because they got picked up off waivers. <laughs> um, that must've been like a hard interview for him where like, oof. like when you're going through the Rolodex of like what you should be proud of as like a development, like the head of player development, it's like, Oh, the, the two shining examples don't play for us. And we lost them for nothing. Yeah. That probably sucked. Yeah. That's uh it's not great. So I, I, um, I want to get into like a, I mean, I'm going to say a couple of specific (laughs) prospects. There really only are, I think, two other than Mikey DiPietro, who we already mentioned. But before um, before we go micro, uh, I'll start with a macro question, which is just to get you to 
to because this is a, a hobby horse of yours and of mine, just mm-hmm. to speak a little on the legacy of uh, the Canucks developing players at the AHL level and and kind of what that looks like this season. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been great. Like basically since I started writing about the team, like I, I only started writing about the team because I knew there was like seven different draft picks entering the team all at once. And I was like, oh, let's see how they develop these kids and see what they do with them. And then Petrus Palmer leaves because he's not playing. He's like they're playing ECHL kids over him. Uh, that was Jonathan a, that Dolan was heartbreaking gets later. Yeah. Say like as a as a rather short fellow to see a a fellow short fellow a, yeah. a truly short fellow yes actually uh, short like an actual legitimately short king get bounced and then like like a year like this is the thing Adam Gaudet came in that year as a Hobie Baker winner yeah. what, what did they lose him for they lost him for Matthew Highmore yeah. they have the Liga Rookie of the Year enter the season and he's a healthy scratch for like the first five of yeah. seven games and it's like what the fuck are you even doing. I want. I also want uh, uh, to highlight a thing that I don't believe uh, our producer Justin said publicly, but did say to us that was absolutely fucking brilliant that I never thought about before, <laughs> which is like all that ink spilled over the Canucks fourth line and how great it was. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Lamico, Highmore, and Mont, right? Yeah. And you think about yeah, all it took to devise that fourth line was a Hobie Baker winner a fifth overall pick and Thomas Vanek like holy fucking shit like that is what you have to show for those three assets and I know like people um, I feel kind of fucking vindicated honestly now on the I won't I won't spend too much time on this because it's a fucking tangent but like I feel (laughs) kind of vindicated on the Thomas Vanek Tyler Mott thing now because it's just like yeah like that trade went 99th percentile of how good it could have possibly fucking gone for them and like what has it mattered like not at all um they get you might they finally get in return for tyler mott what they should have just fucking got in return (laughs) for thomas vanek a bajillion and a half years ago but anyways um you might be vindicated again a bit later when jt miller uh moves elsewhere or gets uh you know signed and or signed and traded like because that it'll be like one of those things like, yeah, he was awesome for you, but what did you get out of it? Yeah. Nothing like one half playoff run where you got smoked by Vegas in a and, seven game series. And made zero dollars of playoffs. Right? Like, congrats. He had a career year once while your team finished 16th in the league and missed playoffs for the eighth yeah. time. Like, yeah, who cares? Like, you should have just made the moves in the first place to, to improve. But anyway, that like I know. Yeah, saying, these are yeah. these are tangents you could spend like you could hours spend on, right? Tons of time on, and I already have in a lot of cases. But yeah, yeah I mean, as far as the the uh, legacy of of like a lack of um, development from from the AHL level, like you mentioned, Adam Gaudet, who's really their only guy they could point to as mm-hmm. like having spent some time in the AHL and having developed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and even you then, know, you're like, you're stretching the you're definition, kind of stretching it. Yeah, spent then, like 17 games or something. Zach McEwen, who shout out to Justin once again. Uh, I believe he said the world's first Make a Wish NHL career. Um, <laughs> like, not a good player. Fucking sorry, but like, yeah. like absolute definition of like a depth role player, like AHL tweener, like type mm-hmm. of guy. Um, but uh, you know. 
I also don't think you can really ignore the fact that like outside of those deluxe top 10 pick prospects that went straight to the NHL, they haven't really had anyone to develop. And I think like the state of the current AHL Canucks is kind of um, like it kind of illustrates that because the only two guys that they have on the roster that are um, that are actual like prospects other than Mikey DiPietro, who we mentioned, who's like Mm -hmm. had a terrible year. Yeah. are uh, Jack Rathbone and Danila Klimovich. So we're nearing the end here. So I think we'll end on Rathbone because he's the more interesting one. So sure. um, who is Danila Klimovich? <laughs> <laughs> what is a Danila Klimovich? Yeah, that's a good place to start, him? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I can I can't. I was trying to search through my uh, tweet history because I remember tweeting out uh, sometime around, I think, I think it was Qu- or Faber's top 10 prospect list for Canucks army and everyone like lost their minds. They're like, wait, that's it. Poor Faber. I, poor guy. He's so also, positive about everyone. It's I will like, say too, though, Faber, what, what are you, what are you doing? Not having uh our steep bands on that list. He should have been on that list. Like, uh, he, I mean, I mean, I know like, the, I know that speaks to how bad the prospect pool is, but like <laughs> you have a guy who led the WHL in scoring, like maybe put him on a nine or ten like i know that's very dane fox but like still yeah um, sometimes you gotta just throw in what you got because what they got nothing i mean exactly that list was so sad because it was like two of the guys on the list aren't even on nhl elcs they're just like they're just like ahl contracts like like it i mean in the grand scheme of things maybe they become guys who transition to ELCs because they impress enough like that. Maybe, maybe if everything goes right for them, yeah. they become Michael Carcone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, who recently got in games, which I said uh, before on this program uh, validates my, they shouldn't have traded Josh Levo for Michael Carcone take. So uh, fuck everybody. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Yeah. But yeah, in regards to Danilo Klimovich, like I, I tweeted, like, I don't think people are ready to understand that Danilo Klimovich is like not, like an Elias Patterson or uh, a Niels Hoglander. Like that kid needs so much work. I mean, he looks to me like just looking at the numbers, like has he scored a point since like December? He, he is allegedly scored like some primary assists and some secondary assists here and there. Okay. Okay. But he, his, cause I feel like he's move. been stuck at fucking 18 points. Like, since yeah. the last since the last time I looked, which was in like November or December. So he, he has he has one primary assist and one secondary assist in his last uh four games. Okay. Okay. So, okay. That's and, okay. And a goal. Okay. So he's okay. So he's he's, do, he's doing some things. To here do some things. Okay. But like his he had season, a long stretch where he didn't do anything. Though. It took like, him a long time for him to like even score. And it was all like power play points. Like in yeah. the five V five, like this is the, this is the Testament, like for f- people that don't understand, like when the atmosphere Canucks had all their injuries, a guy named Yushiro Hirano got thrust into the top six. And oh, fucking dope, by the way, a great really, story. If you could just really speak awesome on story. that for, for just a moment, cause that is worth highlighting. Yeah, so um, I put I actually wrote this for Canucks Army because mm-hmm. I thought the story was fucking awesome because we Absolutely. will never we'll never ever see this in pro hockey probably ever again. Yeah. But Yushir Hirano is a Japanese-born player who basically started in Japanese high school leagues, moved to like the Czech leagues, then Sweden, then Finland, like basically all over the the entire planet. 
to develop his game, ended up in the USHL where afterwards no one came calling, went yeah. back to play in Asia and then signed an ECHL deal and been toiling in the minors, finally gets a look uh, with the AHL, scores a couple goals, gets healthy, scratched a bunch of times, and then all these injuries happen. And of all people to get called up into the top six, it's Yushiro Hirano. Yeah. And he takes the opportunity and he completely runs with it. And he's been he, great. He was great. He yeah. scored something like nine points in his final 12 games or 15 games or whatever it was after only three in his first 15. Like he basically oh, yeah. took the opportunity and was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. And he was completely fine. And then even though the Canucks are on the precipice of a Calder playoffs run where this guy who has been like handed, like gift wrapped an opportunity to cement an AHL contract moving forward was invited to the Japanese national team to play at the division one B world championships. And he took that over just taking the easy route of, of playing for an AHL deal because the guy who just wants to grow the game in his home country. That fucking rocks so much. That's so cool. Like I, I put it in my Canucks army piece, like ECHL players die. They will kill themselves for the kind of opportunity that, that he, he got. got. Yeah. Cause no ECHL player comes in and gets gifted a top six opportunity and succeeds. Like it just no, doesn't it ever just happen. happen. They don't get the minutes. It, it never happens, happens. It happens once ever. And it's Alex Burroughs. <laughs> like, <pretty laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like it's, it's just so much of a fluke that he becomes like a, a fucking eight, 900 game pro at the nhl exactly it's a guy who ends up being like worthy of a ring of honor for his determination to make it through the minor leagues to the show like he's the he's the emblem of what every echl player aspires to be and it's just yeah like kudos to him that absolutely wild absolutely rocks and so for those keeping track with this long-winded story of mine Mm -hmm. Danila Klimovich. That's how bad Danila Klimovich is. That's exactly <laughs> how bad yeah. Danila Klimovich is. is has that been. Has been. Has is been. a better way of putting he, it. Yeah. He's doing fine right now. But you got to give him credit. Give him credit too. He's he is younger. He is he, one of the youngest players in the NA- AHL. Right. Yeah, he he is like you like Yushiro Hirano was a unicorn for the fact that he's a Japanese-born player giving given a top six opportunity in the AHL. Klimovich is a unicorn in that you do not see eighteen-year-old. Yeah. Uh, Asian or whatever, Russian or Belarusian Belarusian players come to the AHL for their first season and play the entire string. It never happens. Almost never. There's, if you sort on elite prospects, U19 AHLers, there's three of them. And I think all like the other two or other four, whoever it was all return to the OHL after their like seven game run or whatever. Like it just doesn't happen. And he's performed admirably, but there's a lot of red flags where it's like, this is why you can't trust him to be in the top six. You have to trust an ECHL player. And it's because Yushiro Hirano is bad, but he can move <laughs> his feet and understands yeah. you need to move your feet to succeed in the league. And Danila Klimovich, after 50-something games, still doesn't quite do it. And to your point, like he's super young. He doesn't speak the language. He is yeah. like, like a unicorn in this brand new system of North American hockey, smaller rink, new yeah. systems, new, like not knowing anything. Having and said that though, not earning rave reviews from uh, what I am hearing. Like it is rare that uh, I've, I hear the word flat out from people lazy about yeah. a player. And I've heard that about him, which is like not a great sign, especially for 
like a teenager who's been gifted a, a really rare opportunity to play pro hockey in North America at 18. Yeah. Like um, one of the first guys to sign the ELC out of the draft, like the day of the draft, he signed his ELC. Like, yeah. like again, a total unicorn. Like the, the, we just never, we'll never see this again. I mean, we probably will, but like the rarity of it is just sure. like, yeah, it can't be understated because the kid like has a lot going against him. And so that plays into the fact why he's maybe having a rough season. It's also and- just weird to see a player that young. Who's not very good play in the AHL. Cause I feel like the yeah. last time I saw an 18 year old play in the AHL was William Nylander. Maybe, maybe, and maybe he, he was right. 19, but yeah. Yeah. Like, we, it's we don't very see rare. And they're usually really good. And that has not been the case for Klimovich. Yeah. Like he, he's got a really good shot. And like, that's probably why he was scouted by Jim Benning is that yeah. he's got an elite. He does have an NHL quality shot. Like he's got a wicked release, Yeah, but it's just like all of the things he's got to work on. Like if you don't see signs next year that he's improved on him, it's a big, like, Oh, well, which a team in the Canucks position can't really afford to have like they need yeah. these guys to hit jet woo like i i was Oof. texting a certain writer my opinion is on him and like i don't like to make declarative statements about players because we don't know what kind of steps they're gonna make but i really don't think he's gonna make it because yeah. a lot of players like especially defensemen usually take some kind of step in an off season or after their rookie debut uh colin took that kind of step uh Oli Ulevi, like for all of his faults, took another step when he rehabbed his knee injury and came back. Jet Wu looks just the same like he did last season. And last season, he was just like like a junior defenseman making a debut. Yeah, He, he doesn't, doesn't do anything offensively. He can't hit the net with a shot. Uh, they've been trying him as a forward lately Oof. just because they're, they're short on bodies. And so never a good sign, never a good sign when you're the guy that draws the stick to be a forward because it means they don't think you do anything valuable as a defenseman. Yeah. And so it's, it's a bad sign when, you know, how long have we, how long have we been listening to people say like, don't worry, jet woo's coming on the right side. It's going to be Quinn Hughes jet woo for years to come. Yeah. And that's probably not going to happen now. And so if Dilnila Klimovich and jet woo both don't pan out, that's two of your very few second rounders of the last five years to not pan out. And the two that did pan out are panning out for other teams because Cole Lind is playing for Seattle yeah. and Jonah Gadjevich is playing for the San Jose and, Sharks. And like, we're really stretching the definition of panning out too. We really we are that. like truly stretching it, but uh, they yeah. are doing something. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gwu and Klimovich might not do anything. Yeah. Well, one guy who might pan out <laughs> uh, and is certainly uh, for better or worse, mostly worse, the crown jewel of, uh, the Canucks system right now is Jack Rathbone, who um, I was watching some highlights from uh, both uh, the AHL and the NHL before uh, this episode, just to kind of reorient my opinion of him. Cause it's, we were talking uh, before we started recording about how like he played nine games for the Canucks this season. Neither one of us remembers that at all. <laughs> like yeah. he had zero points, like a just total non-factor. I don't know what it was when they were really bad. So like, it's not, it's not on him necessarily, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, you look at his numbers and I think he's above a point per game in the AHL. But the the thing that people forget, I think, about Jack Rathbone is he's older than Quinn Hughes. 
Yeah, uh, he's he's Pedersen's age. They're same draft class, I believe. Yeah. So he's like twenty three. He's, he's twenty two, but he is he is he turns twenty three, I think, next month. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's not he's reaching the age where you can soon you're going to be able to stop calling him a prospect and just start calling him like AHL <laughs> NHL depth. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, like the kid is kid i mean fuck he's looks like my age um <laughs> that's a, that's a joke i'm much older than he is um but like he's he really done like everything you could ask of him in terms of like production at least like looking at his mm-hmm. numbers we mentioned danila klimovich has an nhl shot jack rathbone has an nhl shot too mm-hmm. um at least as far as i could see um he's he's got an nhl sh- shot and nhl speed uh for sure yeah um like, what does this guy have to do to get another look? Um, do the Canucks just have to be out of the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, like, that's what it seems like it needs to boil down to. Yeah. But I also wonder, like, if they're in the mindset, like, look, we don't even have the talent on our right side to play with Quinn Hughes, who is, like, yeah. elite wheels. We don't have the bodies to now do that for two of the same. Like, yeah, Jack totally. Rathbone isn't Quinn Hughes, but... He shares the same kind of mobility that Quinn Hughes has a profile which you want. in a similar way. Exactly. And if yeah. you, if you can't even like find the bodies between the eight right shot defensemen that you signed to play with him now, like you can't all of a sudden be like, okay, now we need to split those minutes for, J- for Jack Rathbone as well. And that's what they struggled with. I think when his, his nine games to start the season, they had like him playing with, I think Luke Shen or Brad hunt, I think. I think Brad Hunt was actually his main partner and they yeah. were just terrible. Oh, and yeah. then Brad Hunt got uh, the shaft until Bruce Boudreaux came back. Yeah. So it's like, they might just be like, okay, keep him in the AHL. We'll uh, see what he does in playoffs. And then next year we'll really try to give him an honest look. And we're going to try and revamp our right side so that he actually has like somewhere to go within our franchise, because otherwise you just have this really good producer at the AHL level who can wheel, but it doesn't mean anything if like the start of this season, you have no one to play him with. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's good, but he's not, he's not capable of, he's not Quinn Hughes level where it's like, he can make up for his partner's shortcomings and then some to be an elite NHL pairing. He's just not there. Yeah. I mean, like the, the one frustrating thing is you, you look at him and it's like, he would be better on PP two than any of the other defenseman that they've put there in my opinion um mm-hmm. like i mean even oel like come on <laughs> well like come on what the, are we the doing? oel thing was so dumb when they're like oh quinn hughes is injured and oel's putting up points on power play one it's like no shit it's like the third rank power yeah. play in the nhl like of everyone course he put would up put up like jt miller is gonna make 10 million dollars a year because of <laughs> pp1 like yeah. and, I, and i say that as and i say that like obviously He's had a fucking like top 10 season in, in like Canucks history or whatever. But yeah. like he had what? Like he had like five assists the other night. That is yeah, the most like in, invisible five assists I've ever seen. Like, yeah, like that was that was wild. And it's just because the whole power play runs through him, which is mm-hmm. like, should it? Yeah, I, I, it's up for debate in my opinion. But like, yeah, like I think there, I think there's one one other notable guy who you could say might 
do just as good of a job, if not better. But, mm-hmm. you know, hard to complain about, as you said, like the third ranked power play or whatever. But yeah. um, another thing about Rathbone, uh, fun fact, uh, his name sounds like a really nerdy uh, synonym for hate fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh oh they they should they should call him up just on based on that alone yeah absolutely but yeah i mean like i think you know but pp2 it's not a good enough reason to have somebody in the lineup like yeah um you know like and if you if you do it's alex chase on and he plays on your fourth line but now in your top six i don't know this i've i've lost it i've lost the, the metaphor here but <laughs> yeah um or the simile i don't know whatever uh so yeah no my um my final uh thing on on the rathbone thing is um i i i'll once again test out a theory here and we'll see we'll see what you think of it but if you remember uh when jim benning got hired one of the kind of like first things that happened like i shouldn't say first things but like the story really of like that first chunk of time like season or two or two and a half mm-hmm. was just seeing all the old regimes prospects just get fucking like either traded or not resigned or just like totally like stashed away gone. on a shelf somewhere like um you know uh, I, I can't even re- remember them all, but like obviously Shinkarik is the obvious one, but there were others too. Like mm-hmm. there were so many guys who just like they were they were done the minute uh, Jim Benning took over, and yeah. I I kind of get this feeling that this off season, if there are any takers, either like in a package or straight up or like. Uh, for a for a late pick or probably more likely like just for a prospect that these guys like better than what they have in their current um, cupboard. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not be surprised if we see like, I mean, there's probably no fucking takers for DiPietro, but like that would be a guy, uh, you know, Rathbone would be a guy like take whatever Faber's list the top five guys on that list who might have a market for them I would not be surprised if they're all gone next year that's the vibe I kind of get to yeah. is that these are no longer their guys or they're not the this management team's guys they they're curious to see what they can do and sure, sure. maybe they'll be good and call their playoffs but at the end of the day if they don't if they don't immediately believe in them or through institutional knowledge they're like oh the guys that we still retain so if ryan johnson stan smeal or you know god forbid uh <laughs> ron delorme are like <laughs> yeah oh yeah d pietro like he started okay but we've kind of lost faith in him like he's gone yeah and you can't really fault him for it because they used to run a system where they would sign like take example current uh wilkesbury scranton penguins forward uh radim zahorna who is okay. the ultimate guy that you've never heard of. Yeah. They signed him as that. a they signed him as a 23-year-old out of the Czech League, and he wasn't okay. even the top scorer of the Czech League. He <laughs> came into the AHL, was a point per game, and okay. put up four points in with for Pittsburgh last year. And he's got cool. six points for them this year. Okay. And you've never heard of him. Yeah. And dope, that's their dope. whole MO. Like the yeah. Archdeep Baines thing is yeah. totally like a hey, here's a guy. We're gonna get him. 
we're gonna get all these random guys from all these leagues who That's produce, smart, and we're though. gonna try and just make sign, something out of it. Just sign the highest scoring forward and defenseman from every league that you can get your hands on, and just yeah. hope that they turn into like something. I don't know. Uh, fucking hope one of them turns into uh, Connor Sherry. Mm-hmm. Or what? Or whatever. One of those Pittsburgh guys. Like yeah. it's it's Connor Sherry and who's the other one that are the two guys that I always think of, like Gensel or like not, not, Brian not, Rust or whatever. Brian Rust. That's the one. Yeah. Like just just some guy who made his way out of the AHL and then yeah. just became like a top six forward. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but like that system works when you have like the stars on your NHL team to elevate these players and make them realize how they need to play to succeed. If that system doesn't work for the Vancouver Canucks, it means it's because they don't have the right players on the NHL team. And that means you need to like blow everything up, which is like a legitimate thing that could happen. Oh yeah. I remember joking with Reese Jessup in 2015, maybe 2016 about uh like the Canucks trading uh Horvat to kick off the real rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not even really a joke anymore. Yeah, it the, is a the, is a legitimate possibility the joke that he now goes for is Patterson. And like <laughs> how many more years until that's not really a joke anymore either. Well he's only on a three year bridge. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and judging judging on what contracts they give out to JT Miller or uh Bo Horvat, oh, Jesus Christ. We yeah. might be talking about, you know, that qualifying offer and being too expensive because hey, as you pointed out on your tweet, he's got like thirty two points in his last twenty four games. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he is like since, an eleven million dollar player. Since I wrote the article saying that everybody who wants to trade him is big, dumb, mouth-breathing moron (laughs) who should be banned from watching hockey forever. Um, He has 35 points in 25 games. And like, I know everybody was like, oh, it was obvious, blah, 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 blah. blah. Fuck you. No. Craig Button was saying they should trade him. Craig Button, the like like, most respected like scout in the public sphere was like, oh, they should trade him for a number four D. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we and got then, some wild takes like, this season and then like a ton of yeah like random guys on twitter mm-hmm. there are still random guys on twitter who are saying we should trade him which is hilarious like after he has like one bad game literally because he's he's slight and he's like, european this is the dumbest logic of all time well uh anything else that we should uh get to before we sign off here about the ahl team any closing thoughts we we really we really like ran we we hit good time for this we this is almost like a full episode it's not gonna yeah. count as a full <laughs> episode because the 100th episode special <laughs> it's still a work but, in progress yeah. uh, be also ran answer your phone yeah um yeah any uh, any closing thoughts on the Abbotsford Canucks I will say seems odd that they're not more of a story I guess it's because the Canucks are still in it but be yeah because the Canucks are still in it no one's going to give a shit that they're eligible for playoffs. Like it's just not going to happen. And because their seasons run hand in hand, it's going to be like the day that they are finally bounced. It's going to be like, Oh yeah. Calder playoffs are happening. Yeah. That'll that'll be, it'll shift very quickly. So I actually, Mm -hmm. I will end on this question because it's been perplexing me uh, since I looked up the standings in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this will be a fun one to add because it's. I imagine it's going to yield an interesting answer. Um, 
How have seven teams from the Pacific Division in the AHL clinched a playoff spot? And <laughs> while while only three have in the Central, but also there are seven teams in the Central and nine in the Pacific, and also, yeah, what what is happening the, there? <laughs> so the AHL schedule for the Western Conference makes no goddamn sense. Like, yeah, so. You know, typically in the NHL, right, you play every divisional opponent like six times or whatever, and then you play everyone else in the Eastern Conference twice. And yeah. for for whatever reason, the AHL has Abbotsford playing Manitoba, who is not in their conference, no. eight times. Or oh. Laval, four times, who are not in their conference either. It's like, they're not even playing Tucson eight times this year, and Tucson's in their division. <laughs> like... It makes no fucking sense. And so I guess because they lost playoff revenue last year, their logic was this year, we're going to have an expanded playoff system. Okay. So the, the first ranked team, so the Stockton Heat, yeah. get an automatic buy into the quarterfinals. And then okay. two through seven play off in like their, their play-in round. And they okay. get reseeded so that oh, it's Jesus like Christ. one faces, you know, the winner of four or five or whatever. It's, if it's, any it's so like league but... office people are listening to this, please <laughs> do not fucking bring a play in round into the NHL. It's already like making the so playoffs long. is already such bullshit in the NHL. It's already like we, we, we already don't do nearly enough to incentivize being good in the regular season. No kidding. Like, don't fucking bring it don't like give the 10th best team in the conference the opportunity to get smoked in the first round in a mm-hmm. fucking embarrassment don't please don't do that yeah because um, because their opponent gets goalied like yeah in a one game series like just don't do that it's, i would be real mad though if i was whoever rfd is who have <laughs> like almost a 0.1 better winning percentage than whoever sd is in the pacific Oh um, yeah, the the San Diego Gulls. Yeah, the San Diego Gulls. Just awful. Who, who's They're RFD? So, RFD is uh, the Rockford Ice Hogs. So that's the. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I believe that's Chicago's affiliate. Yeah. My favorite. Uh, my favorite AHL name for sure. Oh, the Ice the Hogs. Ice Hogs. Yeah, always been a fan. Longtime fan. Uh, but yeah, uh, you'd be pretty choked if like you have like ten more regulation wins. I had to like bust your ass just for like the final seed. And like the worst team in the Pacific is like just like <laughs> skating by to yeah. get in. Yeah, it's, uh, such a mess. I feel like there's a. I feel like there's a uh, deleted scene from the uh, Schumacher Batman and Robin movie where someone talks about an ice hog. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, yeah, this was great. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, thanks for coming on, Cody. Where can people uh, find your stuff? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Cody Sievertson, uh, my website, ahlnuxharvest.com, and my podcast, which I frequent mm-hmm. from time to time, which yes. is the Crease Cast, which I believe is at the Crease Cast on Twitter. Yes. And Shouts out to too, your co host, uh, Lachlan Irvine. Um, yes, check out his uh, reporting because he does some good work. One of yeah. the few good workers at Canucks Army. If I was going to, gonna, yeah, absolutely. If I was <laughs> going to um, listen to another hockey podcast, that would be a good one to listen yeah. to um yeah uh i'm not gonna plug anything on our end because we've like dropped the fucking ball here but just stay tuned for our 100th episode uh it will be our dumbest most ambitious episode today uh, yeah. we'll see you 
realistically in probably like another week and a half, two weeks. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs>